Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divine. Divine's a podcast exploring where web development and design overlap. My name is Tom Lucy. I'm a branding-focused designer, and this is Nick. G'day, guys. How are we doing? I'm Nick. I run a digital agency uh, here at the Commons. And today we are joined by Caroline Lamb, uh, who is a brand-focused designer driven by a fascination with human behavior. So, what's up, Carol? How are you doing? What's up, boys? Good to be here. Very oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good stuff. So, we are talking about UX today, um, but I guess before we get into that, um, what have you been doing the past week, Tomo? The past week has mainly been, um, well, I've been in Sydney. I've been at a design conference um, uh-huh. called Semi-Permanent. Nice. Um, and that's been amazing. Or it was, yeah, just such a great experience. Is that the first time you've been to it? It's been running for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it was their 18th year. Okay, so it's more yeah, like, nice. it's actually probably more like permanent as opposed to semi-permanent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd joke like a minute ago, I was like, I have to fit it in somewhere. Wow, that was amazing. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it's the first design conference I've been to since I was like in year 11. Oh, wow. Um, which was Ag Ideas. Um, did you ever go to that? Agda. No, ag-, ag ideas or like ag ideas. Oh no, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it was like, it was the one. It was so sick. Um, In Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I think it was run by Paul Cato, who has like a design agency, Cato Partners. They do like, they did the brand ID for Commonwealth Bank and like Qantas, cool. and, like, yeah. big projects. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, it's been ages since going to a conference, and this was sick. Nice. Just to like you know connect with your homies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're my people. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's 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 been the main thing. Um Who's your favourite speaker? Oh, uh what's their name? This design agency from Sweden. They flew in last minute because David Carson just did a no show oh. and stopped responding to emails. Holy shit. And was just like, I'm sick. Oh, <laughs> and they told you guys that. Yeah, because they they were like, dude, you're our headline speaker. And you just you're just not coming. <laughs> Like, because you can't be bothered. Um, anyway, they brought in this agency from Sweden. Um, they just flew in, like, the, the day of or the night before. Nice. They rock up on stage and they're all, they've both got glasses of wine. They're wearing, like, leather jackets. <laughs> um, they're Love called it. Snask. Snask. Yeah, this, this uh, design studio called Snask. And they're just so much fun. Like, all their projects are just so sick. Anything mm. we would know that they've worked on? Um... Not sure if you'd know the exact campaign, but just their approach to things. They're like, you know, we got hit up by Adidas to help them promote a new sneaker and started talking about the brief. And they're like, you know, it has to be cool. And they're like, no. Like, you're the coolest brand in the coolest market. We've got to do an uncool campaign. <laughs> it's like, who wants to see just more cool shit? It's, it's fucking so boring. <laughs> and so they, um, they created, like, a, a clip on this Swedish guy who's, like, you know, a little bit overweight a little bit dorky, and he's like a professional, um, or like a, a self-proclaimed professional uh, puddle jumper. <laughs> and he just like, there's just all these shorts of him, and like he jumps in, and he's just like, like <laughs> you can't, you can't see this, but I mean, look it up um, to those yeah. of you listening. It's so, so funny, and that's like their whole campaign. It's just like filming this guy jumping in puddles. Yeah, to like promote the release of this oh, new yeah, shoe. Sell me a pair of Adidas <laughs> shoes. And then, yeah. then the next one, they're like, and, you know, we couldn't really come up with anything, so we just decided to put really cute little kittens in the shoes. And so this is it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the whole campaign, like, for Adidas. Like, the second one, the, 
There's just little baby kittens uh, in the shoes. Yeah. And like, you know. So if you run out of ideas, just use kittens. Like, <laughs> people fucking love kittens. <laughs> and that was it. I actually love it when designers are really brutally honest like that and don't try and come up with this, like, crazy backstory when mm-hmm. it's just as simple as, like, we put kittens in a shoe. Yeah. yeah. The same the same guys. You might know this, Nick, actually. They um, made a shower beer. So it's just like... Who did? This, this agency. Oh, okay, right. Just for fun. And then they're like... And then, like... You know, it blew up like it went viral. Right, I'm like, right. oh, we actually have to produce this. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So that was sick. What What have you been up to the last week, Nicholas? Um, uh, we kicked off a really fun project, um, consulting for the building of an app, um, and it was made by this guy who sort of wasn't didn't have a background really in development, um, and so it's going to be really good. There's heaps of stuff we'll be able to improve sort of in the development process and sort of all those sort of um, one-on-one development sort of things. So that'll be really good. Going to make a big impact there. Um, and also building a portal dashboardy thing for a logistics company using Vue.js, which is like a um, front-end framework. So that's really fun. That's a really, really good one. Um, and I also sold my motorbike on the weekend, so I got to ride it for an hour to drop it off and it was, like, nice and sunny on the Saturday, and uh, so going down the freeway, yeah, it was get, really did good. You, did you get a bit choked up? Um, like, a little bit, yeah. Letting go of your <laughs> yeah, baby? Yeah, 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 like, a little bit, for sure. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I'm now glad that it's just out of my garage, and yeah. somebody else can enjoy it. Yeah, declutter that life. Yeah, that's it, that's it. How yeah. about you, Carol? How's your week been? Ah, uh, my week? Yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been busy with work. Um, I went away this weekend, though. I went um, down to the Jackie Winter Gardens. What's that? Run what by that? Jeremy Watsman from Creative Mornings. Okay. Um, it's an artist residency that they, yeah, built so that they could give scholarships to artists, um, I think, like, four times a year. Sick. Um, but they also rented out on the weekends just for casual stays. Cool. Yeah, so I went and did that, and then, yeah, that's about it, really. Mm-hmm, just took mm-hmm. some time out to take a break from work. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, cool. So today we're talking about UX, user experience, um, this is kind of, I mean, me and Nick were talking about it and I really wanted to do an episode on it because I don't know heaps about it yeah. and it's critical for design and I'm a designer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of want to assume the role of the the person who has no clue. I'm not going to come into this episode with like, as an authority. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe a good starting point, Caroline, if you could tell us about what your first interaction with UX was and maybe from there what you understand it to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say I'm not an authority either. I'm still pretty new to UX. Um, my first experience with it, I think I think it's one of those things that a lot of designers do but don't realise that they're doing mm-hmm. until they formalise their education. Right. Um, so I think I was probably doing it when I designed the Commons website. Uh-huh. Um but didn't realise that I was doing the UX part of it. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess, because that was the first, I think, no, it was the second website design project that I worked on, but I think it was the first time that I understood sort of a bit more what I was doing um, and then decided to study it at General Assembly and so formalised the education a bit more and, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my introduction to UX. Yeah, cool. Um, so was it in working on that website that... <clears throat> you wanted to do the UX course? Was it, like, directly linked as the next step? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I can't really remember when I finally 
started to understand that it was like a separate process. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, maybe yeah. it was just being here and sort of speaking to people like you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, kind of breaking down the parts of the design process that I enjoyed and realizing that it was what UX is. Yeah, um, cool. And then I got an opportunity to pick a course that I wanted to upskill in. And so, yeah, just chose UX. See? Yeah. And for those, those of us uh, playing at home, how would you define, mm. um, or maybe it's good for all of us to be on the same page, what UX is? Um, yeah, this yeah. is a good one. <laughs> I like this. Um, I guess, like, for me, it's definitely, like, in the web space, obviously, right? Because um, that's what we do. But mm. I think that, <clears throat> like, UX can be seen like in every facet of life when anybody's interacting with anything and I think it's cool to sort of see all the different parallels that happen with like a specific website project but then even things like I don't know when you go and use like the um, subway or whatever like that's a UX problem that people have to do every single day like all sorts of things where people are interacting with things I think that's you know that's the heart of UX but I guess in terms of this talk we're probably speaking more about sort of design and web and that kind of stuff is that what we're going to be well, I'm keen to hear what your take is on, yeah. on Caroline. I mean, I agree with you, Nick. I don't think it's... Like, the first thing that we were taught at General Assembly is that it's not just specific to um, digital design, right. um, which a lot of people think it is. Like, yeah, it's okay. for websites and apps. And, I mean, our course was centred around building mm-hmm. an app or a website, but right. um, I think generally it is just about designing for the user, Yeah, yep, um, yep. designing from the user vantage point um, while meeting business goals rather than the other way around, which... Mm-hmm you'd think would be the common sense way to do it, but it's actually always been from, like, the business um, vantage point of, like, we want to do this thing and then what do we do to help achieve our goals? I think user experience is about more so defining um, problems that exist for users and then designing something to address that problem. Yeah, cool. That's cool. I think that's interesting. And I think, and maybe that's partly because sort of maybe UX hasn't been seen as its own sort of discipline for too long and it's sort of been maybe pushed and like you said maybe it's part of that where everybody was doing UX to some degree but hadn't sort of really you know um, formalised it in a way and it hadn't been seen as too legitimate even like I see in web a little bit even still now UX isn't or some UX positions aren't seen as sort of that I don't know maybe official or something like that and they're seen like looked down upon in some ways Um, but I feel like that trend is changing heaps in the past couple of years and now it's yeah becoming really cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think businesses are starting to pick up on how valuable it is to have it be, like, a proper position. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and, and that sort of comes back to another th- interesting thing, I reckon, is, like, so in, unless you're probably quite a large business, there's probably not a specific individual who has the UX title or role. Um, so one of my sort of burning questions always is where, like, who in a smaller agency who's who's responsible for UX or like where does UX fit in a process as an example if you're sort of um, building a website or going through a rebrand in a website where does that UX stuff come in and whose role is it and where does it fit in the process and all that kind of stuff yeah um, I've been in that situation a couple of times I think like it's never yeah it's never formalised mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that exists throughout the entire process yeah yeah cool it's not just like at the start or at the end mm-hmm. or in the middle. It's kind of there the whole way. Mm-hmm. It's something that I guess that's why I've always struggled a little bit with school because it's always delivered in a very like methodical kind of way, whereas that's not really the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that you just have to consistently like readdress. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, ideally it would be good for everybody to be thinking in that way. Mm-hmm. 
And the current project that I'm working on, um, that's the case, which awesome. is really great. Yeah, great. I think it's one of those things, like, it's um, not just designers do it, but everybody sort of does it if you've got the right mind frame. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think everybody awesome. in the team should be thinking about it from the user vantage point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what's kind of um, standing out to me is that it's not something that's to be in a different room or in a different corner or to be separated from a business that should be in all the processes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it makes sense. You're thinking about the end user. Totally, yeah. You know, for, yeah. for whatever you're doing. Like, these organisations exist for a community of people, mm-hmm. generally. Um, so, Caroline, you were saying that you start with um, identifying the user's needs um, in a kind of UX process. Yeah. Um, what are some ways that you would go about doing that? Um... With a particular project? Yeah, like, yeah. what are some of the ways of understanding the user's needs? I guess, um, so there are different ways to approach it. Obviously, like, at schools, um, you our, your project was to come up with an area where you thought there was a gap um, in terms of meeting a current need mm-hmm. that wasn't being addressed. So that was sort of, like, just thinking about um, maybe... The best way to do that, I think, is just to think about yourself as a user and think about processes that you go through in life and, you know, where you might have frustration and where the process could be improved. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of identifying sort of, like, um, a user experience Mm. gap or problem to address, just coming at it from your own perspective. Um, One of the key things that we were taught was to never make assumptions. So it's sort of hard to identify other problems um, unless you're coming at it from your own point of view. Yeah, so it's always a little Um, biased, I guess, towards you, right, because it's your experience. Yeah, exactly. So, But if you are to make an assumption, obviously the UX process involves validation through um, research, um, which you can do in various ways, so conducting interviews, surveys, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, With a project specifically, just trying to think, so this current one... um, I did the same thing. So I made some assumptions and then uh, sent out a type form survey mm-hmm. um, and then tried to validate that with Google Analytics and also um, talking to the client really closely as well. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, ideally the best way is just to get straight to the user and ask them as many questions as possible and ask as many users as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then from that sort of first stage then, is that then sort of building into user stories or some... Is that how that would be formalised or what the next steps would be? Yeah, so I didn't really... I wasn't the best student. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. At, <laughs> at General Assembly. So, um, And I did it, I think, about a year ago now. Mm-hmm. So when I say that I'm not an authority, I very much am sort of relearning everything that I learned at school uh, through this um, current website project that yeah. I'm working on. Um, yeah, what did I do next after conducting the surveys? I think you are supposed to do, like, user um, user journeys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, did I do that? I'm not too sure. I think I did. I, I did a site map because there was a, a, a deadline and... I sort of, um, I kind of, I think I bypassed that stage actually, mm-hmm. and I just came up with a sitemap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But yeah, normally you do um, user journeys. Yeah, so I find them pretty interesting. I think I've always found that they're laden with a lot of um, assumptions as well that are difficult, and I think 
Yeah, with, with user journeys, at least the stuff we've done, it's been pretty um, maybe clear-cut is, is the way that I phrase it. Like it's mm. been we're pretty um, confident of what our user base is, what they've come to the website for, you know, what they're expecting to get from it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then I guess those user journeys are um, – I'm talking this from a from a project that we sort of did a rebrand and a um, update on the website. So we sort of already had that – analytics and the customer base and we already had sort of the flows that were happening already and so we were there to try and tighten them up a little bit um, and make them I guess yeah nicer less clicks sort of more funneling people through the right spot mm-hmm. um, and so those doing those user journeys was um, yeah it was all right I guess um, but probably not too insightful for us at that point but yeah we haven't done too much other stuff on them yeah mm. so it's going back to that point of like it's not always like, you don't always have to do things in order. Yeah, Sometimes it yeah. doesn't make sense to do mm-hmm. it in that way. And it's one of those things where you come across something a little later down the line and kind of go back to stage two. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. And you don't need to necessarily do every one of those steps either if so they don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, the ideal process is to be consistently testing throughout the entire um, design process. Yeah, okay. It's realistically, though, it's quite difficult yeah, for to sure. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and depends on the size of the, the company and the client and the team and the budget yeah. and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But to always keep that in mind that um, you shouldn't be making assumptions and you should be consistently testing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's always yeah, okay. a good mind frame to have. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so in terms of design, Tomo, mm. what sort of um, UX things do you consider when designing, say, for instance, a, a website or or something like that is there <clears throat> yeah um i mean based on this i guess accepted definition of ux <clears throat> that we've agreed on um i think ideally i have the user in mind mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. the whole process yeah yeah mm-hmm. um and i might you know jam out for a few hours and kind of um wander off course yeah. and then have to come back in and be like all right this is kind of the demographic yeah, this okay. is the kind of group of people that this site is for, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or groups of people. Does this align to that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also in thinking about like just, I guess basics for a good experience on a website. I'm thinking about you know, is the type super easy to read? Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, is there enough contrast yeah, between yeah. the colours? Mm-hmm. Is there enough kind of padding around the text mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. it to feel spacious and? Yeah. Is there enough visual relief? You know, like often a site... <coughs> well, yeah, often a site is composed of sections and, um, yeah, I f- can find it very jarring um, if there's a lot of dark sections. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking for, like, white relief. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are some considerations. I know there are other things around accessibility which mm-hmm. I really need to pay more attention to. Um <coughs> You know, thinking about people with impairments, yeah, yeah. Be, be they colour blindness, or yeah, yeah. being mm. deaf, or being, you know, um, mm. I guess entirely blind, it, yeah. you'd, you'd be creating a different experience. You wouldn't be creating a website. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that role as well falls on developers as well to make those sites. Yeah, semantic. <laughs> Semantics like That's the word that I just love using all the time. <laughs> we um, need a little button. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's that's a big part for developers is 
in that UX space is yeah, creating that HTML to be semantics so that you can easily read it with screen readers. And you know, if any, if you're expecting users to click on things, it should be a button element. And if they're, you know, just stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that falls into developers a lot, I think. Mm. Um, but I guess what, so a lot of what we've been speaking about is sort of more really high level UX stuff. But I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to be said around the UX of like really focused. Um, uh, interactions people have on websites like it might be as simple as like a input box with like a pop-up that comes o- over the top of it and stuff like that and those are like really minute UX um, problems mm. and I find them really interesting and I think um, and it's cool to think about those problems in isolation but then also how does that then work with the rest of the site and are things consistent and do people expect once they've used one sort of uh, piece of functionality do they can they use that same sort of feeling or mental model or whatever it is on some other piece of functionality they haven't used yet and trying to consider those things I find really interesting. Mm. Yeah, I like that too. On the micro level, you can um, very clearly measure mm. single changes, yeah, like yeah. A-B testing. Yeah, true. Um, one thing just on the subject of testing um, and extending it to interviewing and um, you know going through some of these exercises, Caroline, how do you find... <coughs> like... Is there always enough? Are there always enough resources for something like this um, to go through these exercises? Um, and if not, what are some other mm. other ways of like? Is there like a, a kind of bootstrap version of getting some of this information? You know, because if like point A is no UX and point B is like the the, the best possible discovery, mm-hmm. um, are there things that can happen when resources are low? Yeah, definitely. I think um, so. In terms of testing, you mean? Yeah. Or just UX in general? Well, just performing some of these exercises, like um, be it interviewing or be it yeah, A/B testing or um, yeah. any of these pieces, like because clearly they are going to sh- shed light on some valuable insights. Um, I'm just wondering what can be done when yeah, the, there's minimal budget or yeah, a yeah. lack of resources. Yeah, I think, um, well, I've been talking to a guy that I studied with at um, General Assembly and he um, mentioned this site. I don't remember it off um, right away, but uh, it makes it really easy to um, survey people. I think it's quite cost effective as well. Okay, cool. Um, so we'll pop it in the, the show notes. Yeah, when it, definitely. Yeah. When it does occur, I'll yeah. give you guys the link. Um, so I think that's um, been really good for people in this situation. For me, um, with this current project, because there hasn't been a lot of budget dedicated to the actual testing side and there wasn't also um, much um, time in the timeline, I asked a lot of questions. Mm. Um, I think that's probably the best um, thing to do when resources are low. Mm -hmm. It's just to ask a lot of questions, really think about things quite holistically. Do you mean Mm. sort of like to the client or to To, users or to everything? To everything. Mm -hmm. Like to question... Yeah, just to question everything at every stage Mm -hmm. um, and to always really bring it back to to try and put yourself in um, the user's shoes um, and base it off what knowledge you have when you can't ask the user um, directly. Mm yeah, so that's probably what I would do. I mean, just going off UX in general, I think UX isn't just about... Um, like, the way I like to start off my UX thinking is I like to think about why we're designing, like, with the website, for example, why we're designing the website in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
and at what stage the um, user with the whole brand experience is getting to that yeah, website okay. um, and what they're trying to achieve and whether that's helping them um, just holistically achieve their goals with the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I really try and, when I'm designing the website, just constantly have that in the back of my mind. Like, how is this website playing a part in them achieving their overall goal? Yeah, that's really interesting. And we ran into that um, the other day with a client. So normally, I guess the websites we build are traditionally sort of the start or relatively early in the customer's experience of the brand. So it's a lot about what is this brand, what are they about, what do they actually do, and that mm. kind of thing. <clears throat> but we had a client recently where they the their website was sort of almost in the middle of the customer's experience. So the customer would actually go to an online store, so like eBay or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and then they could check out and get their stuff shipped um, by this company. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, when, when the user sort of goes through that process, they end up sort of clicking out and going to the um, the website and so they're already there with an idea or an intention of mm-hmm. what they want to do or they understand what the company does and they just sort of want to actually go through that process quickly so that was sort of a um, yeah different take or different on most of the stuff we do different take on what that website needed to do and yeah, yeah that highly impacts like how you're designing the website for sure yeah because yeah. sometimes the website's not even the solution like it could be something else mm-hmm. like a lot of businesses are quick to think these days that they need a website mm-hmm. and most of the time they do but sometimes the website Designing a website isn't the answer, and yeah, I think okay. it's important to um, really question why you're designing the website in the first place because most of the time it's such a hefty investment. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, so just really understanding the intention of the website and at what kind of how it fits into the overall kind of mm. business yeah, that's really strategy. Interesting. Yeah. I like I like mm-hmm. that take too, yeah. and I, I try and bring that into discovery sessions um, that I have with clients now. Also, you know, even if if I'm approached with um, a website in mind, it's like, yeah, that's cool, but let's jam out, or like, let's list out all of the business um, goals at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which relate to improving efficiency, awareness, and revenue, and let's just see if it actually lines up. Yeah, yeah. it might be that the website's actually mm-hmm. down low, and there's another priority. There's a different type of campaign that is more important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that is another really good point is yeah. that sometimes the website isn't isn't the answer at all yeah um i agree yeah and i guess the more i'm in this field the more steps back i'm taking yeah, yeah. you know like initially yeah. it's like you need a logo and you need a logo and you get a logo check under your chair there's a logo there too <laughs> you know it's just like um just oh, i can't remember the analogy but basically you know just Applying the same solution to every problem, yeah, mm. you know, yeah, just like prescribe and and you know, as I <coughs> grow in this industry, it's like, well, no, like the logos, you know, just one piece of a million things that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can contribute to a context that will improve your business or yeah. damage your yeah. business. Um, I think what I'm learning about myself um, as I'm sort of applying UX design to this current project. I haven't decided exactly if UX, you know, if I want to become specifically a UX designer, Mm -hmm. but what I'm realising is that I just like thinking about, um, I guess, the overall experience in general and how that fits in to, like, the brand strategy. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the thinking behind UX or the concept behind UX that I like, but I think maybe I'm more so 
I don't really know what area of design I fit into. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's experience design or service design. But I think it's just I'm driven by, like, understanding humans better and why we do what we do and um, kind of always bringing it back to that when it comes to, like, business strategy or brand strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like, when I'm designing the website, I'm thinking about how it's adding to that user's experience with the brand overall. Like, does this button make them feel like they're interacting with um, the brand's packaging? You know, is it the same kind of feeling that they get? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think about it in that way. Yeah, that's cool. And try and bring consistency across the board. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, What do you think... uh, Yeah, how does copywriting... um, play into all this because copywriting has been one of those things that we really struggled with to maybe it's um to make its value obvious to clients and something that they're willing to invest in um we really struggle with that how do you see copywriting fitting into this at all uh yeah so i think um well i mean what we're doing essentially at the end of the day is communication Mm -hmm. um and so and for me, I think words are really powerful um, in effectively communicating whatever it is you're trying to do. And I, I guess I've just realised through designing websites that copywriting is always left maybe in the middle or at the end, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think it should really dictate um, the design of the website. Like, it should dictate the wireframes, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, copywriting is the foundation yeah, okay. And it should start off with that, and uh-huh. then everything should follow. Yeah, and it's it's been through our friendship that I've gotten exposure to this because, you know, a lot of conversations I've had with Caroline um, <laughs> as we were getting to know each other, you know, just like, oh, what do you reckon? And she just goes completely silent. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Carol silence. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, the wrath is coming. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know, we're talking about the website, and she'll just do, do one of these mic drops, you know, like, yeah, but copy's everything, you know? Like, as if you're just leaving it up to the client to write the copy, like, you know, I'm really passionately making this argument. I'm like, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> it's all over. Um, but, yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, well, if you think about it, right, when you're designing a logo or when you, you know, when a client sends you a change, they're like, oh, just change this word or change this sentence. We know as designers it's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's so many things involved with changing a word. Um, but that's not necessarily why I think copywriting should be the start. I mean, that's one part of it. But I think it's just because <clears throat> when you're deciding copy, you're deciding so many other things yeah, outside yeah, of yeah. copy. You're deciding you know, how you're going to deliver your, what your message is, how mm-hmm. you're going to deliver it. Um, you're establishing a tone of voice, which is such yeah, a yeah. huge part of um, a brand's personality. For sure, and for sure. a brand's personality and dictates a lot of other things as well, like how you're going to get out there in the market. Um, you know, all of these things, like your personality is like, are you the type of business to be on Instagram? Like, those type of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you said, that's sort of, yeah, looking at it at that higher level of that whole brand experience yeah. and how that then plays into something like a website and the, and the copy. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's really interesting and what I take from that also is that, yeah, in, in establishing this tone of voice, um, it, it's feeding back in, it's going to feed back into aesthetic as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm, for sure. Rather than, you know, you create this aesthetic and then start to try and Massage wrap, wrap words it. around it. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so logical when we talk about when it you like say it out loud, yeah. <laughs> you know everything you're saying it's just like oh 
Mm. Like, it's quite refreshing, I think, to have it communicated so clearly. Um, mm. So, with all of that in mind, do you think that there is a place for Laura Mipson? Or Hipster Mipson? I <laughs> yeah. think, okay, so when I say copywriting, I think it's more the thinking behind copywriting that I think should be the beginning of every process. So, right. like, it's really essentially answering the question of what are we trying to communicate here and how do we communicate it? Mm-hmm. So that helps to dictate, obviously, the site map of the website because, um, you know, you might decide that the, f- the most important thing after, you know, considering business goals... Um, Google Analytics, um, who your target audience is, all of these things, that the most important thing is to tell the brand story Mm -hmm. um, as the first um, thing that you deliver on the website. So that helps inform the sitemap. Um, I've lost track of what the question was, actually. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Is there there a place place for Laura Mipson? So I think if you've decided, uh, like, 95% no, like, there isn't a place for it. Mm But I think if you've decided, you know, at the core what you're trying to communicate and maybe you're like, okay, it's going to be one sentence. You just haven't come up with that sentence yet, but you know that it needs to be short and punchy. You know what it needs to communicate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe in that scenario you mm-hmm. can put some a placeholder sentence yeah. and not have the exact wording down Yeah, part. so maybe you're like, this sentence is for this and then fill it with lorem ipsum and be like, we need to write this at some point, but this is what it should communicate. This yeah, I mean, is. I wouldn't even put lorem ipsum in it. I would just put a really badly structured sentence yeah, okay. for now that... Um, just spit it out, yeah. Yeah, that's like, this is the kind of crux of what we're trying to say. Yeah. It's just... Um, it's just not eloquent just yet. Yeah, that's so. that's great, and that's actually what I've been doing on this um, the w- the website for this podcast. You know, previously I would just chuck in like random text goes here. Yeah, mm. but it's like, all right, well, this I'm dealing with this n- now, so I might as well try. Yeah, and I'm doing the thinking behind it all anyway. I might as well try and come up yeah. with the words yeah. for w- for what the episode description is going to be, or for what our kind of main messaging is on the mm. on the site. Like to just have placeholder doesn't make sense and it's mm. it's interesting because as wor- as I'm working th- through the designs you know making tiny tweaks to the copy um, I don't know if that's good practice definitely know? I think so I think what I've been doing the same even though it hasn't been my role um, with this current project because it helps uncover for me like things that I haven't thought about like if they're the user is reading this sentence and they've got this piece of information what other gaps do I then need to fill mm-hmm. with in terms of words? And then that then decides, like, if I need to have a secondary window pop up that says something like, to finish off that sentence. And those are the kind of things that you don't necessarily think about unless you're thinking about the actual copy that's mm-hmm. going to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it really helps to sort of be thinking about copy as I'm designing along. Um, so I, I think it is best practice to do that. And I think most of the time it's going to, with any designer who has a UX mind frame, it's going to fall on the designer during the Mm -hmm. design process. Yeah. So, Caroline, what do you think a key takeaway uh, from today is? Like, I think at design school, so, like, at graphic design school, they teach you, like, you know, how to use programs and everything um, related to visual design, which is great, and they're the... Mm -hmm you know, they're the foundational skills that you need to take away. But I think to be a good designer, um, you need to understand all the different components involved in effective communication, which involves obviously copy. So I think, 
you know, teaching yourself how to be a good copywriter is um, is pretty great. Mm-hmm. But also just understanding um, the strategy side of things as well. For sure. Um, and I think that's one of those things that most designers eventually um, get to that point and realise that that's something that they really need to understand in order to be a good designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. And, like, we see that um, same idea sort of running through developers as well is that having a good idea of design and UX and all the processes behind that and then the context above that which sort of informs all those things, like mm-hmm. knowing all those little people, not knowing them all, but, you know, having an idea about all those all those things really changes the way you approach the work you're doing for sure. And it helps to break down the barriers um, between the different departments Absolutely. so that you yeah. can all work together quite easily and... And enjoy it, yeah. Yeah, and understand um, why you know, yeah, each yeah. department are doing what they're doing. For sure, and the yeah. the value it brings. Yep, definitely. And I think it's really important to understand sort of the steps before you, like why they made those decisions and, yeah, and that way you can sort of sort of see w- what sort of aim they were trying to achieve with those decisions that they made. Yeah, and, and carry can, it through exactly, with your exactly. area of expertise, exactly. you know, whether it's visuals or copy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on, nice. on these themes of um, understanding business strategy, um understanding user experience do any resources be they websites or short courses or books or something else come to mind for you that Mm. you'd recommend to someone who's like like me for example like i know nothing where do i start (laughs) wow oh my gosh so many things i think having for me having a good network of friends to talk to um, it's probably been the most useful resource. Mm-hmm. Um, just keeps you motivated and, I don't know, pulling together everybody's, like, insights and what they've come across and what podcasts they've listened to. Yeah. You know, it's all of those little things mm-hmm. add up. Um, in terms of actual individual, like, recommendations, I think off the top of my head, um, I'm reading a book at the moment um, called The Laws of Human Behaviour. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I think that's a pretty good book to read. I think actually reading books that aren't specifically related to design, um, for me, it probably uh, has been the most useful thing for my design thinking, Mm. my design processes. So, I don't know, over the weekend, um, I was reading up about, um, what was it called? Um, I was reading up about science and general, general relativity and... Um, things like that, I find that that kind of stuff, for me, kind of all connects back to design and yeah. communication. Mm-hmm. So, and it just helps to give your your brain a break, I think, as well. That's probably my biggest advice because you know you can go anywhere. There are a million resources and podcasts and blogs that will tell you what design, you know, related resources to hit up but for me i think it's like reading poetry and Mm -hmm. that type of thing that helps you be a good designer yeah Yeah, cool yeah um yeah that's 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 all great we normally wrap up episodes with like what are the key takeaways but i feel like this episode's just got the nuggets (laughs) (laughs) sprinkled sprinkled all over so uh why don't we end on that note um thanks so much for coming in yeah thanks carol it's been awesome no worries Um, yeah I feel like I've learnt a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yep, thanks. Thank you.